Um, we're going to spend 20, 30 minutes reading scripture. And then we're going to spend another, uh, you know, 30 minutes um, just reflecting on the scriptures. And we'll see what time affords us. We may spend some time in prayer today as well. Uh, I want to spend some time in prayer uh, with you all. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if that's afforded to us uh, today. But let's get right into it. Let's get right to it. Um, we're going to read and then afterwards we're going to go where the Lord leads. We, we don't have anything planned here. Um, I don't have a specific, I don't have any notes or anything like that. This is simply a reflection. And I want you this morning as you are engaged for some of you, it's not morning, uh, but I want you guys to engage in this moment as we spend it in the reading of the word. I want you to ask three questions. I want you to reflect and I want, to, I want you to ruminate over three questions. And these are the three questions. What is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing to you concerning himself? The second question is, what is God revealing to you concerning people? And the third question that I want you to ask is, what is God revealing concerning you? Okay. When I'm reading it, I'll be asking God, what is he revealing concerning me? I'll be reading from the King James, ver not from the King James, from the new King James version. Um, you can read in whatever version you'd like, but I'll be reading from uh, the new King James version. And we're going to just spend time to hear from God in the reading of the word. So let's do it. Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning, um, speak to us in whatever time we are here to gather together, to read your word, whenever we sit down and we receive from you, Father, I just pray that you would, that you would guide, that you would lead, that you would convict, that you would correct, that you would empower, that you would uh, restore, even in this time that we spend in your word, Lord, we pray for that that you would move uh, today. But we're submitting this time to you. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Genesis 34, verse 1. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attached to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were uh, with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with them saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife and make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Hmm. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give you according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you if you will become as we are. 
If you're, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will have your daughters to us and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughters and be gone. And their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. And the young men did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of the father. And Hamor and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for indeed the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as uh, to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamor and Shechem his son. Every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now it came to pass on the third day, when they were in pain, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, and their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, and all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, they took captive and they plundered even all that was in their houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a harlot? Then God said, Genesis 35, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of your brother Esau. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go, go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were around them and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died. And she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the time of it was called Alon Bakuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padanaram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. <laughs> ah, also God said to him, I am God almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and your descendants after you. I give this land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place which where God spoke to him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel and when they, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth and she had a hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor 
that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that his name, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. <laughs> so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bela, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bela, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. Save that. Then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre or Kerjath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, Aholibamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zebion, the Hivite, and Basemeth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebojoth. Now Abah bore Elphaz to Esau, and Basmeth bore Rehuel, and Aholibimah bore Josh, Jalam, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau, who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle, and all his animals, and all his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together in the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. And this is the genealogy of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These were the names of Esau's sons, Elphaz, the son of Ada, the wife of Esau, Reuel, the son of Basmeth, the wife of Esau, and the sons of Eliphaz were Temen, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Now Timnah was the concubine of Elphaz, Esau's son, and he bore Amalek to Eliphaz. And these were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Reuel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mitzah. These were the sons of Basmeth, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Eholibimah, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zebion, who bore to Esau Jish, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, was Chief Temin, Chief Omar, Chief Zepho, Chief Kenaz, Chief Korah, Chief Gatam, Chief Amalek. And these were the chiefs of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. They were the sons of Adah. These were the sons of Reuel, Esau's son, Chief Nahan, Nahath, Chief Zaran, Chief Shammah, Chief Mitzah. These were the chiefs of Reuel in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Basmeth, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Aholibimah. I'm going to get that wrong every time. Esau's wife. Chief Jeush, Chief Jalam, Chief Korah. These were the chiefs who descended from Aholibimah, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anna. These were the sons of Esau, who is Edom. And these were their chiefs. The sons of Seir. These were the sons of Seir, the Horite, who inhabited the land, Lotan, Shobal, Zebion, Anah, Dishon, Etzer, and Dishon. 
These were the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir, in the land of Edom. And the sons of Lotan were Hori and Hamam. Lotan's sister was Timna. These were the sons of Shobal, Alvin, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. These were the sons of Zebion, both Ajah and Anah. This was the Anah who was found in who found the water in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of his father Zebion. These were the children of Anah, Dishan, Aholibima, the daughter of Anah, and these were the sons of Dishan. Hamda, Eshban, Ethron, and Sharon. These were the sons of Etzer, Bilon, Zavon, and Akan. These were the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. These were the chiefs of the Horites, Chief Lotan, Chief Shobal, Chief Zebion, Chief Anah, Chief Dishon, Chief Etzer, and Chief Dishon. These were the chiefs of the Horites, according to their chiefs in the land of Seir. Now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Eden before any king reigned over the children of Israel. Bela, Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Eden, and the, and the name of the city was Dinba. Sorry, Dinaba. And Bela died. Jobab, the son of Zerah of Basra, reigned in his place. And Jobab died. Husham of the land of the Temanites reigned in his place. Then Hashem died. And Hadad, the son of Bedad, who attacked Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his place. And the name of the city was Avith. When Hadad died, Samla of Mezrakah reigned in his place. And when Samla died, Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his place. When Saul died, Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, reigned in his place. And when Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, died, Hadar reigned in his place. And the name of the city was Pau. His wife's name was Mehetabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. And these were the names of the chiefs of Esau, according to their families and their places by their names. Chief Timna, Chief Alpha, Chief Jetheth, Chief Aholibima, Chief Ella, Chief Pinon, Chief Kanaz, Chief Taman, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdiel, Chief Aram. These were the chiefs of Edom, according to their dwelling places in the land of their possessions, Esau was the father of the Edomites. Esau was the father of the Edomites. We'll read one more chapter. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Jacob, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Belah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And also he made him a tunic of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even the more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, a sheave across also stood upright, and indeed your sheave stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed to me. So he took it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. 
So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with you, with your brothers, and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out to the valley of Hebron and went to Shechem. Now a certain men found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the men asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. (laughs) Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said to them, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into a pit into this wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass. When Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So then they took Joseph's tunic, killed the goats, and dipped the tunic in blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put a sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. And he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him to Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and a captain of the guard. We'll stop here. Um, There's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> there there's there's a there's a lot here as i'm reading and as i as i was reflecting and praying um there's a lot of just things that are coming at me it's a lot of things coming at me so bear with me as i wrestle through this um First, I want to say this. I've got nothing planned. I, I've, I, I'm not here with any notes or any anything planned. I'm here more to be led by the Spirit of God, to be to be led uh, by the Lord. Uh, whenever I read uh, Scripture, this is actually the most important thing I do. Uh, yes, I study the Word. That is, I study, you know, Bible study and uh, I study the scriptures. I do that. Um, And then, of course, I spend time in preparing the sermons and the teachings that I teach and preach. 
So I do it for myself and I do it uh, to minister to the congregation. But as I've said before, this here is the most important thing that I do, which is just sitting and reading the word and to posture myself to hear what the Lord has to say. What is God saying to me in this moment? Because not enough for me to be informed by the scripture. Okay. It's not enough to be uh, informed because there are plenty of people who've been informed, who understand the scriptures, who know the gospel, who are aware of it. They, they have a great degree of information and yet they're not transformed because information doesn't transform you. Information doesn't transform. Um, information just informs. But when we sit down to eat the word, to, to, to eat it, 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 it does something to us. It does something in us. So as I'm about to do this and, and reflect on this and sit, sit with me for a little bit, as I'm about to reflect on this, um, I want to invite you guys to also follow the Facebook group. Uh, because the Facebook group allows you to see or catch the read and rants that we miss. So um, it's the font everywhere. Okay. It's the font everywhere. You can catch the read and rants there. And it's also a community where you can share your prayer requests. So it's not my platform. The font everywhere is not my platform. It's a community that I intend to see grow from people all around the world who are encouraging each other. But I'm just going to walk through. Okay, this is what I'm about to do right now. I'm about to just walk through what we've read because there's just so much that the Lord is leading as we go. I think I'm going to table Joseph because Joseph's story is. Uh, first of all, there's so many gospel parallels to it. And there's so much I feel like I need to work today to build up to Joseph to help you understand how Joseph parallels to Christ and how the salvific work of Jesus Christ on the cross was something that God didn't just plan by happenstance, but something that God did not, not when I say by happenstance, meaning he, he didn't plan it in response to something but that he orchestrated this thing from the beginning to reveal his glory and to reveal his power and to reveal who he is. And in consequence, who we ought to be in him and his plan for the earth. This is, this is a, 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 a bigger story. Okay. I, I just want you to understand that this is a, the more you begin. And I hope you guys are seeing this, that the more that you read through Genesis, the more you're going to begin to see there is a story being orchestrated here. Like, like God is writing something out. He's writing something out, not just for our edification and not just for our, 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 our therapeutic comfort. He's writing out the story of who he is and his grand plan for this realm, for this dimension, for how he rules in this realm that he's created. And so um, we see, first of all, uh, a, a portion of scripture. So I'm just going to walk through this and I'm just going to let the Lord lead because there's so much here. But we, we, we see through this, uh, this reading, starting with Genesis 34, this incident with Dinah, Dinah, the daughter of Leah. Dinah, the daughter of the mother who was the wife of Jacob, Israel, which I'm going to get to in a minute because it seems like he's not fully Israel yet, even though he was called Israel um, uh, when he wrestled with God at Penuel. But we'll come back to that. But but Jacob, uh, Leah was the first wife, but the least desirable wife, the lesser of the wives, even though she was the first of the wives. So she was the older daughter. And Dinah is her daughter, the daughter of Jacob. And you guys have seen, you know, you guys saw the, the, the whole genealogy of Jacob. Um, 
this family, this weird blended family that's been created um, as a result of the story that we've read up to this point. And so there are all these brothers, right? You know, you've got, you know, Reuben, Levi, Isaacar, Dan, you know, you've got all the brothers from all the different mothers, but same father. <laughs> um, from all the different mothers, you've got concubines, you've got Leah's concubine, you've got Rachel's concubine, you have um, um, Leah, some, a, a few of them are from Leah, and then you have a few from Rachel. Dinah is one of the daughters in this blended family. And the scriptures, and there's so much contesting. We don't really preach this. I'm sure you guys haven't heard many sermons on this on this verse, on this portion of scripture. You know, and this is why it's so important, guys, to read the Bible for yourself, by the way, because often what is preached 50, 52 weeks in a year, you can't preach the whole Bible in 52 weeks in a year. And often what happens, a lot of pastors just go back to scriptures that have been familiar, and they go over the same familiar scriptures. So things just get left. Things just get left. They don't get addressed. The story of Dinah doesn't get addressed. That's not that can be a sermon in and of itself, but it just never gets addressed. And part of it is because there's a lot of contesting um, about this portion of scripture. There's a lot of uh, of contesting, even in the translation itself. There's a lot of contesting because when we see in verse two, he says, "And when Shechem, the son of Amor the Hivite," prince of the country saw her he took her and he lay with her and violated her again we, we, we i know you guys have heard me say this that the, the big challenge that i ask for believers especially if you're new to the faith congratulations you you, you have an opportunity to um to build from nothing but for those of you who have built up in an, an understanding of the word and or built up a, a a theological library, uh, per se, whatever it is that you've built up in your understanding of the word, often a lot of it has been driven from a contemporary hermeneutic. What do I mean by that? I mean that we're reading it through the lens of our contemporary culture. And because we read it through the lens of our contemporary culture, we don't actually get to understand what is actually happening. We read it through our cultural lens and then we interpret it through our cultural lens. And so when we interpret through our cultural lens, we, we, we just lose, we, we filter out the depth of what is being said here. So what we ought to do actually, when we're reading uh, the scriptures is we ought to, we ought to read the word from a, Hebrew lens, because now when you read it from a Hebraic lens, then you understand what the, the, the perspective, knowing the perspective of the author that wrote it, and now knowing the people, the perspective of the people that that author is writing it to, now allows you to be able to see what the actual scripture is saying. Too many people read the word from their lens and they miss out. They miss out. They miss out on what the scripture is saying. I want to stay on Dinah for a minute because when we look at verse two, because we read it from our cultural lens and when Shechem, the, the son of Hamor, the Hivite prince of the country saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. That moment you hear it, people go, oh my gosh. Shechem raped Dinah. I think the two times that I've ever heard anyone preach on this scripture, but when it's, when it's preached, it's said this way, that he, he raped, he raped Dinah. But when you read the scripture from a Hebraic lens, not from not from our cultural lens because he violated her. Oh no, he violated her, so he raped her. He didn't. He didn't rape her. He violated her. So what does it mean to violate her? In our culture, to violate someone is to sexually abuse them or to infringe upon their. Uh, uh, um, sexuality in some form or another well, in the context when he says he lay with her and violated her. 
But from a Hebraic lens, laying with her and violating her were not seen as two of the same thing, and yet the two were related. When he violated her, he violated the Hebraic covenant. When he violated her, he infringed upon her identity. When he violated her, he didn't violate her as in he forced himself on her. He violated her in that what he did with her was out of the order of things. Are y'all with me so far? Out of the order of things. If you read through the story, this is not the story of a man who raped a woman. Even though I've heard it said so many times this way. This is not a story of a man who raped a woman. This is a story of a man who loved a woman. This is a story of a forbidden love. Okay. This is a story of a forbidden love because this, this relationship that Dinah has with Shechem is out of the, is outside of covenant. And because of who Dinah was and because of who Shechem was, because of who she was and because of who he was, they could not be yoked. They were unequally yoked. He loved her, slept with her outside the context of marriage. The Hebrews understood the importance of covenant. That if a woman sleeps with another man outside of marriage, she was not fit for covenant. That the women that were slept with outside of the context of marriage were permanently placed outside of the context of marriage. These were what we call the harlots, the concubines, the prostitutes. This is how the Hebrews saw it. But Dinah is the son of is is the daughter of Israel. She is not a harlot. She is not a prostitute. So a man can't just show up and just sleep with her. And in doing so, affected her identity. Matter of fact, most harlots became harlots as a result of um, pre-covenant sexual relations. If a woman wasn't a virgin and wasn't married in this time, then a woman could not be married. Rarely did that ever happen. And so because she was outside of covenant, there was no restoring her. And so her role then would either be to be a concubine or to be a prostitute or a harlot. Is everybody with me so far? And so Dinah, who is, who has now been deflowered, who now is out of order, who has been violated, loves Shechem, and Shechem loves her. Shechem, she loves Shechem, Shechem loves her. They want to be together. This is not a rape. Okay, anybody who taught that, anybody who told you that, um, Obviously, he didn't read the rest of the story. Um, this man loved this woman very much, and he was gentle with her. He was gentle with her. He loved her. <laughs> and then, of course, the brothers come to find out, and notice what the brothers No, you cannot marry this woman. And the reason why you cannot marry this woman is because you are an uncircumcised man. Remember what we talked about in Abraham's covenant. Remember what we talked about. When Abraham made a covenant with God, he made a covenant. And after he made that covenant with God, there was a mark of distinction 
for the men. The mark of distinction was that the men would be circumcised. Why? Because again, there was an institution that God was establishing, a family that God was establishing, and and and, and it was and this family that God was establishing was it was about the preservation of a bloodline. God is promising something to Abraham for his posterity, but he's doing it through through one family. One family is the vein by which all life is being distributed from now. God chooses Abraham and chooses a family and chooses that the mark of distinction for this family is the circumcision. But watch this now. These men said, just circumcise us. If I want to be married, remember, this is Shechem is not just any joker. Shechem is the prince of the country. Shechem is the prince of the country. Another thing, this man raped her and this man's a man of dignity and of title and of, and he, and he raped, why would he choose to marry this woman unless he loved her? But he did it out of order. He did it out of order. And the reality is, is that he could have not, he, he could have never, he would have never been given permission to marry Dina or Dinah. And so he then, he's then deceived. They tell him, you want to marry her? Cool. Just get circumcised. Stay with me, fam. So Shechem says, we're about that life. I'll get circumcised and every man in my country will get circumcised and we will join our nations together, your nations with my nation. And, and we're going to become one family. He wanted to, he was, he was willing to risk it all for Dinah. This is a man who loves this woman. He gets circumcised. All the men get circumcised. And in being circumcised, they obviously are down and out for a couple days. Okay. Um, Y'all know how the circumcision thing works. Imagine you just got snipped. You're going to be down and out for a couple days. Especially in those days without sanitation and everything else. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, down and out. And so while these men were down and out and recovering, it says on the third day, verse 25, on the third day when they were in pain, Simeon and Levi took a sword and came into the city and killed every male. Dirty knife. Wow. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. Killed every male. So in the end, they did all the things that had the semblance of being chosen. But in the end, they suffered death as a result of it. Stay with me, fam. Stay with me. They got played. They got played. They got played into thinking. If we can look like them from the outside, then we can be them from the inside. So they wounded their bodies because watch this. They wounded their bodies because Shechem wanted to marry Dinah. Shechem wanted to marry Dinah. So they, so Shechem wanted, remember, it's, this is all about the present, the, the preservation of the bloodline. And so Shechem said, remember they said, this, this, these uncircumcised men, we would never allow an uncircumcised man to marry our daughter. You, first of all, you went and slept with our daughter. 
sorry, with, with our sister. You went and slept with our sister. And after you slept with our sister, now you're asking to marry her. You're not even circumcised. Check up. like, circumcision is the problem. I got you. Let me go get it done. Snip. And you know what? Just so you know, we want all our guys. We want to bring everybody into this. We want to bring everybody into this. So we're going to snip all the guys. And in doing so, while they were incapacitated, Levi and Simeon went in and killed every man in that city. Where am I going with this? Stay with me now. Stay with me now. Shechem loved Dinah. He didn't rape her. He loved her. But his love was out of order. Love is always good, but if it's out of order, it leads to pain. It leads to death. His expression of his love to her was out of order. Because there was something on Dinah that Shechem could not handle. And when Shechem now wanted to be a part of what it was of this promise of God, this promise of God through these people, and Shechem now wanted to partake in that because he loved Dinah. Shechem chose to play the part by circumcising himself. He was circumcised in the flesh. But he did not have the bloodline. Stay with me, family. Stay with me. He was circumcised in the flesh. But he didn't have the circumcision of the heart. How do we know this? For Dinah's sake, he wanted to be circumcised. Not because of the faith that he had in God. He wanted to play the part. But he didn't know the culture. He, he, he wanted Dinah. What do I got to do to get this girl? But this is not about the girl. This is about God's plan. This is not about this young lady. This is about the mission of God. This is not about, this is about a, a passing down of the bloodline. And, and this passing down of the promise came by faith. Watch, fam. Abraham was a pagan who by faith was set apart. Isaac, by faith, was set apart. Israel, even though the man was a straight-up swindler scumbag, set apart. By faith. Shechem is trying to be brought, to, brought in by works. If I can look the part, maybe they'll let me in. And in the end, it killed him. If I can get all my guys to look the part, maybe they'll let me in. And in the end, it killed him. It killed them. It destroyed the nation. And it has me reflecting and it has me thinking, family. Stay with me. How many of us are still doing the same thing today? How many of us who, how many of us choose flesh over the transformation of the heart? How many of us choose the things that God can bring rather than choosing God? How many of us want to look the part and play the part, but aren't really the part? How many of us are just like Shechem 
if all I got to do is be circumcised and let me snip. But you have to understand the circumcision came out of the identity. The circumcision does not create the identity. Because they were sons of Abraham, they were circumcised. They didn't get circumcised to become the sons of Abraham. Did you catch that family? And often what happens is, is we go backwards with God. We want to play the part to be the part. We want to have the semblance of righteousness to become righteous. But we want to, we want to do the work to be holy. Yet God is the one that imposes and transforms and calls us to his name and gives us the holiness and the righteousness and it reestablishes our identity. And then out of that now comes the manifestation of what happens to our flesh. The problem is family is that for a lot of us, we're trying to play holiness to become holy. And that's the problem with holiness movements. The problem with holiness movement is, is that the holiness movements got it backwards. Let's look good on the outside. And then as we look good on the outside, things will change on the inside. So make sure you wear that long enough skirt. Make sure you wear that white dress. Make sure you look good on the outside. Don't put on any tattoos. Don't put on any earrings. Don't do any of that stuff. Don't even put on a perm. It's always funny because in holiness movements, they put all the rules on the women, but it appears that the guys never have any rules. But anyway, that's a side note. That's another conversation for another day. However, here you are now telling people you got to look this way. You got to look that way. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to play that part. Play that role. Make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're doing that. You're dressed in that skirt. And yeah, that's skirt is below your knees but you're still sleeping around you're you're sitting around reading the word and looking good to everybody else but you're still cussing people out on the week on the weekdays you're 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 playing the part well on the outside you look the part but you are not the part because holiness does not come out of our activity Holiness does not come out of the circumcision of our flesh. Shechem wanted to play the part. But Shechem was not the part. And in the end, they find themselves susceptible. (laughs) They're susceptible because they were not covered by identity. They were covered by performance. And performance doesn't cover you. It's when the identity changes and then you're circumcised. And then now you are covered and you're protected because even in your moment of susceptibility and healing, you are not subject to death. Dinah's story is not a story of a woman being raped by a man. Dinah's story is the story of love out of order and faith out of order. Did you hear me? The story of Dinah is a story of out of order faith and out of order love. It's, it's a outward holiness before an inward holiness. It was a, hey, let's love each other before we get into covenant. And in the end, what did it lead to? Death. Death. Shechem died loving Dinah. And Shechem couldn't live in relationship with her. Hmm. And yet this is the story, fam. This is a story for many of us. The story for many of us is we've been out of order. Even in our walk with Christ, we're trying to perform for God. We're trying to be circumcised in our flesh. We're trying to look the part, play the part. We're trying to play the Christian thing because if I can play it well enough, then God will change me. If I perform well enough, then God will change me. And God is saying, no, no, no. The way you live 
is going to come out of what I do in you in transforming your heart. Life change comes out of heart transformation, not play it well to be changed. I'm going to rant for a second and then I'm going to leave one final thought and then maybe we'll close. We'll spend maybe a couple minutes in prayer. I'm so sorry. I got stuck on one chapter. I'm so sorry, fam. I just, I had to stay there for a minute. When will we stop performing for God? Like what, when will we stop performing for him? Like when, when will we stop reading our Bible to, to be for him to be pleased by us? pray to make sure that we check off that that prayer mark when will we stop going to church just to make sure we check off our church attendance mark when will we stop when will we stop performing for god i'm so glad you said that god doesn't want a pretender we're not here for people we're not here to look good for people. We're here to have a relationship with our heavenly father who loves us. And what happens is, is that people who fall into performance, family, hear me. When you become a performance based believer, you become a prideful believer. It is so many levels of pride. So many levels of pride because when you are a performance based believer, you actually believe that your performance is better than the cross. One, two, when you are a performance based believer, you all of a sudden begin to develop this, 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 this audacity that somehow you do this Christian thing better than other people. The most judgmental people are the people who know they're so far from the grace of God. They're judgmental because they know their performance isn't good enough. And yet, if I can find somebody who doesn't perform as well as I do, then I'll feel better about myself. That's what happens. That's what happens to performance-based Christianity. You know, the one with the circum with the circumcision of the flesh. If I can look like all the other people, and I can play the role well, even though deep down inside when I go home, I know exactly who I am, but at least I can play it well. And I've always said this, that the church is full of Emmy award winning actors and actresses. The greatest pride is performance. It's the greatest level of pride because somehow we think that God's that 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 God's gonna take our, our little show and he's gonna say, you know what, that was good enough for heaven. <laughs> and yet, what does he say? He says, Your righteousness is as filthy rags to me. As much as you read your Bible, your righteousness is filthy rags. It don't matter how much you pray, your righteousness is filthy rags. It doesn't matter how much you, I don't care how many times you preach and who you preach to and, and how many people came to Jesus through you, your righteousness is filthy rags to God. So what do we do? Let's stop chasing Dinah out of order. And stop chasing the things we love to get to God. I'm sorry. I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay on 34. And then maybe maybe another time we'll, we'll come to the other part. But, but here's the reality. There's a lot of people that have come to the family of God because of the dinos in their life. It's the dinos. You see, Shechem loved Dinah. So Shechem said, let me get circumcised for Dinah. He didn't say, I'm going to get circumcised to be a part of God's family, I want to get circumcised because I love Dinah and I'm all in for her. And he ended up losing it all. And for a lot of us, we came to God for things. We didn't come to God for God. We didn't come to the house of God. We didn't come to the family of God for God. We came to God 
for stuff. Some of us, we came to faith because there was that guy we really liked. And he was a good Christian guy. I knew he was going to be a good husband. So, I, you know, I came to faith in Jesus because of that. Some of us, we came to faith because of a, of a lady. Man, I'm going to go to church, find myself a good one. I'm going to find myself a baddie. I'm going to go find myself one real quick. And you came to church and now it's like, okay, I'll do this church thing. Because, you know, I mean, my wife is here, so I might as well. Some people came to church because they they thought there'd be connections there and jobs. Some people came, some people go to church because they just need some friends. If I can just find some friends. So we all have our diners. <laughs> we all came for our diners and circumcised our flesh for the diners. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this. Maybe one day I'll preach it. Because I have not preached this text. But we will circumcise our fleshes for the diners. Man, what do I got to do? How do I got to dress? How do I got to talk? Let me know. How many times should I read my Bible? I mean, tell me whatever I got to do because, man, I want that diner in my life. Let us not be like Shechem and lose it all. Because we were chasing Dinah and not the righteousness of Christ, not a relationship with God. <sighs> Let's be free from that. Let us be free from that. Um, I want to say one last note, um, man. Oh, my gosh. Genesis 35 is so good, too. Ah. Uh, Genesis 36 is so good. Genesis 37 is so good. By the way, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna spend the next uh the next reading rant on Joseph. We're gonna sit on Joseph. Um But I want you to see one thing, and I want you to pay attention to one thing, and then after that we're gonna close with prayer. But, but that's the word. That's the word. Don't chase Dinah. You love her, but chase God before Dinah. God over Dinah. Jesus over Dinah. We're going to be going through Joseph because I know the next few chapters will be on on Joseph. And so um, tomorrow we're going to talk about Joseph. Um, but I, I do I do want to point one thing out. Um, I do want to point one thing out because we read this genealogy and these genealogies are so frustrating to read sometimes because these names are so terrible. <laughs> the, 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 the translate like the, the, the names are just horrible. I just. That's why I laughed at some points. I'm like, man, man, I'm just so bad at this. Um, And we see the kings of, and so we see the nation of Edom. We see the Edomites, um, the family of Esau. And we see, you know, the, the genealogies and all these names and all these people and all the families and the wives and all the different wives of Esau and all the children that came to the wives and then the chiefs. And then after that, you have the sons and then you have the kings of of Edom, this nation, this establishing of the nation um, um, of Edom and then the chiefs of Esau. Why does all this matter? First of all, let me say this. Make sure you guys understand this. I'm going to say something's going to be a little tough, but stay with me. Okay. I know it's easy to just want to skim over it, but you should read them. Why? Even if you don't understand all the details of the genealogy, you should read them. Why? Because it's in the word. If, if it's in the word, it's because it's important. <laughs> Sometimes we skim over it like, oh, you know, that's not an important part. Let's move on to the next chapter. Whew, goodness. Got through them names. I've done it. I've done it before. So. I've done the same thing. You got through, oh, we got through them names. Whoo, man, that was tough. Um, and then we move on, but we miss something. It's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. Now, why was it there? The nation of Edom, we're going to learn later on as we read. We're going to learn as we read the nation of Edom is going to be a is going to play a critical role critical part of the story of how God establishes his justice and his kingdom on earth but in Genesis 36:31 look what it says 
I want to see so you understand why it's important. Now these were the kings of sorry, now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Eden before any king reigned over the children of Israel. We're going to learn now that there's going to be a relationship between the people of Edom and the people of Israel and it's going to play a critical role to the grander story of what God is doing and that's why these names are important so make sure you read through them okay um, but we will talk about uh, Jacob um, but guys God over Dinah God over Dinah God over Dinah Father I thank you for this time Lord, I thank you that you've you've convicted us today. Lord, as we read your word, Lord, Lord this story of uh, the forbidden love of Shechem and, and Dinah. Lord, teach us not to be Shechem's. Lord, reveal to us, Lord, what the Dinahs are in our lives. Lord, the things that we chase after to have semblances of righteousness that we put before you. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be our righteousness, that you would be our comfort, that we would seek after you and chase after you. I thank you for each and every person who's attending now, and I pray, Lord, that you would guide, that you would lead, that you would restore, that you would convict. And I pray that in your name we pray. Amen.